Welcome to Hort Culture, where a group of extension professionals and plant people talk about the business, production, and joy of planting seeds and helping them grow. Join us as we explore the culture of horticulture. We're back. Still sounding froggy. Feeling froggy? I don't know. Are you guys feeling froggy? Or <laughs> I was always just kind of a little ambiguous froggy. to me. Froggy. What is froggy? I mean, it is I'm whatever you froggy. want it to be. Like you want to jump. Like that's right. You feeling froggy? Jump, jump, jump. Who yeah, wants not, it? It's crisscross. You're not, just, you're not that's content a on your little lily pad. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we are moving. We're jumping into yeah. fall gardening today. Hungry for flies. <laughs> we're doing. We're feeling froggy about fall. Oh. Um, Keep yeah, going. I, I know. I was like about to start. Like, I'm listening. And out of gas. I'm listening. I mean, do we get out of gas? Is it that time of year? Starting where strong. Burn home bright. Gardeners, yeah. <laughs> burn bright like a diamond. Yeah. Josh uh-huh. told me one time I'm like a, a star. Like when I go out, I'm going to just be a black hole and let's suck everybody in. <laughs> It'll be like this brilliant burst of light and then everything around it will get pulled in. <laughs> I remember that when I'm feeling really bad. I'm just like, you know what? Don't be the star Joss thinks you are. Yeah. <laughs> Not even light shall escape me. Um, nice. so, I bet it's quiet there. <laughs> yeah. In the center of the black hole. That's true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, Nothing we're going to talk about uh, it is hot and it is July, uh, but that does not mean that it's not time to start thinking about cooler weather. Uh, mm. And with cooler weather, we start thinking about our fall garden. Yeah. Do we? Yeah. It is time to be thinking. Actually, it's it's beyond time to be thinking. It's time to be doing for the fall oh. garden um, by mid by mid July. So <laughs> yeah. So I it, like July is kind of like the April of the fall garden. The yeah. March April, you know. Yeah. That, you're you're in that mode of like <clears throat> you should have made plant if you were going to start stuff from seed uh-huh. you probably should have done that four to six weeks ago like yes. if you wanted to have broccoli transplants of your own that you were growing now the good news is you can get those other places yeah. this was something when I started uh, back when I worked at the the horticulture research farm and when I had started growing stuff before that just realizing like how when for a commercial Proactive. operation. Yeah, for a commercial operation, yeah. I mean, it's it's like as soon as you start into picking tomatoes, you need to be thinking about planting your fall garden. Like that's yeah. the reality yeah. of that. I had a commercial producer call me and he's hanging baskets and he's got a big mum pad, lots of mums, uh, but he grows some vegetables. And so he called me up. He said, uh, so when do we need to be thinking about broccoli? And I was like, well, about two days ago. And because he was unaccustomed, it's exactly what you're saying, Brett. It catches even growers. I mean, he was not primarily a vegetable grower, even though he does that. He doesn't typically produce his fall transplants. And it really kind of shocked him a little bit. He said, oh, because broccoli is like five to seven weeks, depending on how you start it and get it going. Uh, And he's like, oh, gosh, I got to get going on that. And it even caught a commercial grower by surprise that he needed to be doing that because it's something he didn't think about normally. Yeah. Just to give a quick little rundown, <clears throat> we've we've shouted out ID one twenty eight many many times before. We will continue to do so. This is a publication on home gardening from one. the University of Kentucky, uh, <laughs> and within it, the I'm just going to give you the rundown here of the things that say that the date of planting is July through some point in August. Okay, beets, bib lettuce, broccoli. Brussels sprouts, cabbage, carrots, cauliflower, Chinese cabbage, 
collards, endive, green beans. We're going to maybe talk about that later and how we might have to do some jiggery pokery there. Kale, kohlrabi, leaf lettuce, uh, parsnips. You're too late. I'm sorry. Parsnips lovers of the world should have had those parsnips. in June. Um, radishes you can plant, plant as late as September. So I'm just, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to continue down this list, but there are a bunch of them. You can go in and check out table 13 in ID 128 mm-hmm. and get a sense. And some of those are recommended to be planted as transplants. So luckily, a lot of the fall and spring stuff is direct seeded, which is good. Um, but yeah, now between now July and August is when you might be planning out your uh, or executing your successional planting of like if you want to have some fall salads, planting every two weeks, planting some, out some bib lettuce. Uh, mm-hmm. If you want to have some carrots that you're going to put away and you're going to eat now and then put some away, you're going to maybe be planting carrots every two weeks, mm-hmm. July through the end of August. And with all of those things, are we, uh, you know, in the in the spring in Kentucky, we talk about like Derby Day or Mother's Day, if you're part of the rest of the normal world, as this uh, point in our part of the country of like the first the first day where we're like, there's pretty much not going to be a frost this day, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the first frost free date. Is there are we thinking about that on the back on the back end? Like there's a first frost of the yeah. year or or scary time? Fall gardening is uh, even more so about the math because we're not as attuned to um, the planting schedules. And we're trying to, you know, reverse engineer everything from that October 15th or October 20th date, our uh, first typical frost. Uh, So we're trying to reverse engineer everything back from that. It's one thing uh, you've already mentioned that some things are direct seeded, some things are transplant. Uh, It's um, even more difficult if you're going to grow your own transplants because then you have to add five, seven weeks to the time that you want it in the ground. So, yeah, that fall uh, gardening is all about math and doing a little bit of garden math and just reversing back from that date in October that, you know, it's it's there's a good chance that it's going to frost. Yeah. And, it's, and not not everything you know you don't we don't have to be afraid of a frost no. right for for all the fall crops we need to be more afraid of a freeze and a hard freeze of mm-hmm. you know that can kill certain things and even then some things will persist beyond that I, I don't know the hard freeze I will bring up the time Alexis dressed up as Mister Freeze for staff meeting and I was traumatized by that just a little bit you were traumatized <laughs> I look great you will you not did, put me in the pool I was not ready for that though it's still a form of trauma even though it's good I I I don't think you know what trauma means <laughs> yeah that sounds like ama- amazing I maybe it just uh, maybe it's played on all like pre existing fears. I had, I used like blue, I like chiseled these cheekbones with blue and I had like, I was, I was frosty, man. Were you, did you Um, take it from, oh, were you Jack Frost or were you Mr. Freeze? No, I was. Like from um, Batman. No, no, I was from uh, the Christmas movie, um, A Year Without a, uh uh-huh. I it was know. a year without Santa a Santa Claus. Santa Claus is coming to town or maybe? The, the old, one of the old claymation ones where you had like yes. the guy. Charlie um, Brown Christmas. Summer no. and you had. Uh, um, Nightmare Before uh, Thanksgiving. <laughs> Wait. Those, naming, yeah. Just combining the movie titles Butler and movie. things. Yeah. Uh, 300? <laughs> I knew we had yes. a Gerard Butler. <laughs> yes. Die Hard 2. Die Hard 2. Kind of a. 
it's kind of a mishmash of, of <laughs> themes that were in Alexis's character. <laughs> and hard freeze can bring fear to your heart and a surprise. I'm, uh, mm-hmm. I'm well, my that. Co- my coworker was a uh, summer because she's redheaded, and so she was all red, and I was typecast, white and blue, and we sang mm-hmm. a, a song. The um, now I'm gonna have to find it and I'll post it in our stories. You thought I'd forgotten that. Didn't you? <laughs> um, oh, I sang in front of. All of my coworkers. What did you uh, sing? Give wow. us a little snippet. I, I sang the song. The, Give us the okay. iTunes preview. I, I will find it and play it. You all continue to talk about Fall Garden. We'll and I'll post okay. on YouTube so I can link Perfect. to it in the back. show notes. I'll report back. Okay. Nice. So Guard math, yeah. Yeah, and I think, Ray, we were talking earlier. That in addition to the math, there's also a component that you need to think about too, which is that there are varieties that work better, sorry, there are within like green beans, for instance, or within carrots. Those are two good examples. There are some varieties that work really well for a spring and summer garden. And there's other ones that we might want to think about for fall. Yeah, there really is uh, because the growing conditions are flipped. Instead of going from cooler, shorter days, we're doing just the opposite. And there's been a lot of work done on variety selection uh, for those conditions. Um, and I think it's Tennessee, Tennessee Extension. Our um, partners down there, down south, have done a lot of work on that. I'll have to look that up. Uh, but they have some great charts. I'm fairly certain it's uh, Extension Service in Tennessee. And they um, have uh, put some nice charts out that talk about things that work much better when they're summer planted, things that uh, will germinate in those harsh conditions, not only germinate, but they'll do well with the heat. Because mm-hmm. heat's a big issue. You know, we talk about, and, and I'll back up just a little bit here. As I'm working, particularly like with homeowners, it's a tough sell for me when I get to the point to say, oh, are you going to do a, you know, a fall garden? They're like, what are you right. talking about? Right. I'm it's, just making uh, it through summer. Yes, to me, it's 100 <laughs> degrees. I have kids in softball or soccer or whatever. We're running 10 different directions. We're getting ready for school. So, you know, this podcast is Hort Culture. And it's sort of a cultural thing and a timing thing and a family kind of scheduling thing. Um, but it seems like everybody's excited and, you know, with kind of winter ending and spring coming on, that's an easy sell. I can mm-hmm. sell that when the days get warm, everyone is ready. I think that they lay some kind of, you know, dr- illicit drug in gardening magazines because everybody, everybody's eyes dilate and they're ready to go. You know, we, we're ready to plant and get things in the ground. That is just like drugs, apparently. Folks. Yeah, apparently <laughs> something. It is something. Maybe it's garlic. I don't know what it is. Um, but it eyes, is something. eyes wide, full heart. Yes, please. Uh, just wide open, going Can't into lose. spring, ready to garden. It is not that way for summer. Not my I, experience. When I tell people that, yeah, yeah, well, not that way. I feel. I'm sorry. I was uh, googling. It was snow miser, by the way. Heat miser, oh, snow miser. Okay. I'm Mr. Snow miser. I'm Mr. Winter fun. I, I, I think I feel like I need the tune, maybe. Too. Oh, I mean, we're gonna play the tune. We're gonna we're okay. gonna play us out with the tune. I think, but um, I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It gives Listen, me something to right. look forward to. Yeah, I'll have like, to like the fall garden. It gives me something like, to look forward there's to. There's like two pictures in existence of of me in that costume, but. Maybe three. Oh. It's the one I took you didn't know about. <laughs> I've never seen that one, ladies and gentlemen. No, you're not. <laughs> um, going back to talking about timing is everything with crops. I think one thing we have to mention, and if you mention this, I'm sorry, but talking about when we – We've mentioned this before. That is days to maturity on crops. It will say on your seed package, right? Days to maturity. 
Usually when we're going from spring into summer, so when we're going from cool weather into warm weather, we can look on kind of that shorter end of that range. So if it says Mm -hmm. 50 to 60 days, it'll probably be closer to around 50. When we're looking at going from warm to cool, where the maturity time is during a cooler part, also not only is it cooler, but there's less daylight versus days getting longer, days are getting shorter, which also matters. It takes longer Um, for things to grow. It takes longer for things to, to bring like a snap bean. Yeah, that's much right. slower. So than- you have to go on those longer days. Those days of maturity are still something good that you should, you know, look at and, and do the math with. But that's kind of the reason there's that um, spread there. And so we want to go with those longer days when we're looking at that. But because things mature slowly and because we're going into cooler nights um, instead of warmer nights, the sugar contents are better for a lot of our crops. So um, when people tell me they want to grow broccoli or cauliflower, I usually try and convince them to do it in the fall, mostly because there's a lot of summer crops that are you know exciting to get started. Uh, broccoli and cauliflower are typically not one of them, but if you hold off on those, make space for them in your fall garden, uh, the starches convert to sugars as those nights cool down. And so you have a better tasting product. Uh, and you also have products like, uh, Brett, you mentioned earlier, you've grown some car- carrots and certain carrots oh, do yeah. better and they store better when mm. they have come from a cooler soil than a warmer soil. Well, it will uh, literally, and on the seed packet, it will literally mm-hmm. say this is a good warm season carrot. Yeah. And, or a fresh eating carrot or whatever you want to call it. And then other ones will say that will be described as a storage carrot. And yeah. that's what they're talking about is that you're storing it. I mean, you could theoretically grow it in the summertime and then store it. But in general, you're trying to grow it and put it into the fridge and store it for as little time as possible just for mm-hmm. logistics and everything else within a commercial um, operation. But within your home, like we have done and taken a whole drawer in our fridge and filled it up with really tasty carrots that we stored for a while. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, it definitely, I think it has something to do with like the nature of the, I don't know if it's a cuticle or something on the outside of the taproot, mm-hmm. like doesn't, it retains moisture a little bit better. They don't get wobbly and floppy as quickly. Um, that's a technical term. I think that the wobbly yeah. and floppy, yeah, look it ter- up. That was the 90s band. Slot- they retain that turgidity, baby. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that and, and I I think that there's also I would echo what you're saying about the the quality differences of certain crops in certain mm-hmm. contexts, a hundred percent. And the way that was explained to me, I don't know if this is right or not, is that the part of the reason for like some of that um, the higher sugar content is it's a response. It's like a freeze prevention response. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what gives mm-hmm. them their resistance so the sugars go into the cells the parts of the plant from the roots they go into the leaflets or the whatever florets Mm -hmm. and they increase the uh the concentration of that and as we know from our chemistry classes a higher concentration like something like salt water freezes at a higher temperature Mm-hmm. Uh, or sorry, it freezes at a lower, lower temperature. Yeah, it can yeah. go to a lower temperature yeah. before freezing. It prevents the freezing and, uh, of the it's water. It's very similar. Got them, basically, yeah. like a little kale plant's like, oh, I don't want to freeze. And I just come and rip those leaves off and say, thank you. <laughs> thank you. It's amazing the that. quality difference. I mean, it is. some of these things, if I've, um, you know, we've done taste tests and you can look at the results from different taste tests uh, from farmer's markets or from wherever, whatever source. And um, it's just always better and more well received those products like broccoli for instance if you know they're under those conditions where it's cooler mm-hmm. and they were harvested under cooler conditions it's a completely different product mm-hmm. it really summer, is. summer collards 
are for like diehards. <laughs> you know, yeah. you gotta be like a green fan or cook them in like bacon fat for like six years. Uh, yeah. And in that, in that case, you probably Correct. should have just wait until fall because it's been, you know, it's been six, six years, years at that point. Yeah. It's a lot of salt, a lot of fat, baby. That's the way yeah. to do it. <laughs> we just pretend that the green thing is good hunt. for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, those, those are cool weather crops. So, like, it makes sense that you want them at their peak when, like, when they're going to thrive the most versus the opposite of they're just getting started uh, and the soils are cool, which is, you know, good for cool weather crops. But then when they're reaching their peak, a lot of the time, at least in, you know, Kentucky, we're hitting, sometimes we're hitting like 90 degrees in June. According to mm-hmm. my temperature blanket that I'm crocheting, we did hit over 90s in um, Whoa. in May. And no, or the first two days of June, we were 90 yeah, yeah. or It was hot. Above. Yeah. yeah. When burst. According to my temperature. According blanket. to your temperature blanket? Yes. Is yeah, it, I don't know is what it that telling is. you the temperature, or you just you, sh- you use a certain yarn based on what temperature it was, or wouldn't you like to know? I would. That's yeah. Yeah, it sounds like some secret knowledge. Uh, well, it sounds you know. like it's talking to her, maybe, which <laughs> right, is right. why I'm maybe would talk offline about my concern yeah. for you. I haven't had a blanket talking to her in thirty-five years. <laughs> It's not Alexis, it's Linus, folks. Josh is like the guy who does all the weather reports for the college. He's like, let me just call you later. <laughs> what is your blanket oh, telling me, you? Can you the mask your magic blanket? blanket. <laughs> You've heard of being a wet blanket. Mm-hmm. Alexis is a weather blanket. I don't <laughs> yeah, know what that blanket. entails. <laughs> no idea. So, so cool. Yeah, and well, you know when we haven't – I don't know if you, you said this while I was Googling, but um, it's not on – this uh list let me make sure before i say it out loud uh yeah it's not on this list as part of the fall garden but is a f- something we plant in the fall is garlic mm-hmm. yes so Only garlic in fall, is in yeah. kentucky we plant in october uh yeah. for a june july harvest depending on the type mm-hmm. it is uh the following year so garlic is something i love garlic is something cool because number one most people use it in some form or fashion um it's and it's number two it's pretty much easy to grow as long as you have a place where it's going to drain well and mm. three it's like if you just sucked at your garden this year you didn't get it in or nothing was good you know whatever you can always just plant garlic because it's october it's fast and easy and then you don't don't have to worry about it until june and you're like oh i have garlic and then you're something you're actually going to use and it stores so it's just like if you do nothing else or if you're trying to build confidence i feel like garlic is a good way to go yeah, it's a way to salvage a tough season. Uh, I, fall gardening is just—I have different problems with, uh, you know, putting out things in the fall. Like germination is something I, Ooh. unless it's, it's too cool, and in the spring, you know, you worry about the soil being kind of cool and wet. Well, usually it's hot and dry. Dry. Uh, so yeah, Sucks. getting getting—I've had to water to get seeds to germinate. Uh, how about yeah. you guys? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Dry soil. Yeah. Uh, Seed germination. Tough. They need moisture. So it is terrible. Yes. It they is. don't they don't need sunlight to germinate in most cases. No. Right. And so that is something like there are tech different techniques that different people propose. I haven't used them personally, so I don't really know, but maybe you all can comment on that. Like the putting the cardboard over it for a number of a certain amount of time to help, does help. retain yeah. soil mo- moisture. The problem is if you leave it on for too long, once those plants do need sunlight, <laughs> they need it, you know, because yeah. of the whole photosynthesis thing. 
Well, and, <laughs> you know, if you're planting beans that in a commercial work. scenario, you know, go a quarter inch deeper, something like a snap bean, and it does make a huge difference. You can tell where you went just a little bit deeper. I'm not talking about way deeper. A quarter inch is not very much, but you'll see that it'll germinate three to five days earlier in some cases because it gets down where it's cooler and has mm-hmm. more access to moisture and it keeps that seed from drying out. You don't want the seed coat to dry out uh, because that's a pretty harsh environment. It makes a huge difference, that quarter inch. Another thing, a lot of these fall crops that we're talking about are really small seeds, other than like peas and beans, right? Um, These are small. You can see the seed. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. These are going to be really small, hard to pick up with your fingers kind of thing. So one thing, and what that means is that they dry out even faster, right? And that means that you have to sow them shallow or else they'll never be able to make it up through the soil. They don't have enough energy in there. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. So one thing that uh, my dad always did growing up, and it was fun I, I don't know about like you guys, but you know, things that like you learned as a kid and then you find out like maybe the scientific reason why mm-hmm. that works. I, I just, I always thought that was cool. But one thing my dad did growing a garden was uh, he would put his seeds between, and granted, this is small, small scale. Uh, he would put his seeds between wet paper towel um, on a plate for a couple, a day or two days. Um, and so what he was doing as now the person with degrees in this is he's imbibing them with water. So that essentially signals that seed that they should start growing uh, because mm. they're full of water. And so he may wait until that radical comes out, which is what, you know, that little root, first root that comes out to plant. But you don't necessarily have to. Once they're kind of swollen, you can see that they're, you know, full of water, planting out your carrot seeds, lettuce seeds if you've had any trouble and that will really speed up that process of them actually producing leaves that are then photosynthesizing. You still need to keep high moisture because they're eating beady babies, but uh, it really can speed up that process. It's not great on a big scale, but like I've, I've done this with seeds too that I'm not super confident in. So either they, I've had the seed for a while and I don't want to plant out and uh, seeds that aren't good and get weeds coming up on their places or, um, ones that I'm not confident in, like I'm as far as like I've not grown them before. So I did that this year with uh, some um, mimosa pudica, which is uh, the um, the little ferny looking plant that is – it's called touch me not. And when you touch it, the leaves all fold in. Oh, yeah, and yeah. sensitive fern is another name for it. So I've never grown it before, had no idea really what I was doing, couldn't find any great resources for germinating them from seeds. Um so I did the little paper towel thing like my dad did, and uh, I let them the radical come out, and then I potted them up in little cell trays, and I was like, look at my dad teaching me things. I didn't learn that in college. My daddy taught me that one. So, uh, <laughs> Get it from my daddy. Get it from my daddy. I want to know so, how to control weeds in, uh, in the summer garden. Somebody tell me that. I have trouble with weeds, too, along with germination. Have you tried wrapping throwing? them in wet paper towels? I've tried singing to them and that usually kills them. Blow torch. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Blow torch. Blow torch. Actually, blow torch does work. Yeah. I was going to react to something you were saying earlier, Ray, about the like the traditional home gardener, people thinking about gardens in general, like not at the surface level, but just at a more traditional garden is that summer garden. And that by the time the fall rolls around, they're kind of done. It's been really interesting to see with both um, the development of the high tunnel phenomenon Mm-hmm. In, in the spread of high tunnels, but also just beyond that, th- people who are thinking about market channels slightly differently or trying to meet a market need in a different way, then we actually have some operations in Kentucky 
that focus almost exclusively on those shoulder seasons. Um, they might grow stuff throughout the whole year, but they really are, they're not having a huge crop of tomatoes. They're not waiting to have a huge crop of tomatoes. And what that allows them to do, and as someone who, who used to, to work in some high, in high tunnels, I can tell you that from May 15th, well, that's not exactly, maybe June 1st through mm-hmm. like August, <laughs> September, late September, <laughs> yeah. it is not a place that you really want to be. No, it's not. Um, outside, outside, you don't necessarily want right, to be there right. for some of that. But yeah, and, and I think that that it's just a different way of thinking about it. And and I, I personally, when we uh, when I got away from that was wasn't growing things anymore and was working in extension. We almost we, we grew some tomatoes and peppers and stuff like that, but we mostly grew carrots and beets and leafy greens mm-hmm. on those shoulder mm-hmm. seasons in part because I'd hated spending that much time out in the summer garden. Yeah. And by the time July rolled around to plant the fall, I was like, okay, I can go through yeah. this hellscape <laughs> for a brief period of time. Yeah. Um, and it, it was just a different way of thinking about it. And it's, it's not necessarily again, typical or whatever, but it has been an interesting component because if you're interested in selling to like institutions or schools or whatever, many of them are not, at peak demand or even in session at all during the summer yeah. months. And so that's what I was, if you yeah. want to meet those market, that market demand and, or, I mean, in general, local food centers around the uh, local produce and plant-based products center around that seasonal window of summer. But as we've seen a season extension and value added products. And so we had a little bit of a technical bump there, but uh, true to extension form, I'm just going to keep on rolling with the thought that I was having, which is that <laughs> I've seen people try and I, and, and yeah, experienced it to some degree myself that they try to kind of go all the way full throttle on the shoulder season, have a high tunnel, early shoulder season, early summer crops, grow summer crops, grow early fall, uh, put stuff in for fall take the summer crops late and they just go in gangbusters year round. And that can really quickly wear you down to a nub. And so those producers that I talked about, I think the ones who have gone to focusing on the shoulder seasons, focusing on the leafy greens for marketing reasons also have done that just because there's a realization of like a traditional seasonal outdoor production system can't grow all the way through, at least intensively all the way through the year. And uh, there, there is this break period. The way that Alexis talks about it um, is that she sleeps with the tr- she sleeps with the trees, or when the trees sleep, she sleeps too. Um, <laughs> sleep with the trees sounds like a hippie mob threat. <laughs> right. Sleeping with the trees mafia. tonight. He's yeah. with the trees, baby. Oh. It's a very Kentucky thing. I do feel like personally targeted though by uh, by your comments, Brett, because I am well. I have been. I am becoming better at the person who is gay. Because uh, once again, I'm going to bring about to cut flowers because we oh. talk about the fall garden. Gardens can also be flowers. Um, and so uh, if you're growing flowers, you should also be thinking, in fact, in my schedule for uh, July is, uh, you know, all the different things I'm going to fo- fo- sow, sorry, uh, <laughs> so, so. for She's going to sow them for real. She's not going to fo sow them. She's going to sow them for real. She's going to sow them. True so. So, so all the things so, I'm so, going to so. start for fall harvest, uh, and then I have 
later in August will be the things that I'm going to put in uh, that will overwinter as those cool flowers. It's flower month, so we have to make sure we hit on flowers. But for those of you who do that, and yeah, those shoulder seasons, and there's a lot of cut flower growers, even though we tend to think of a lot of these flower crops, same with gardens. You know, when you think about a garden, you don't think about rutabagas, you're thinking about tomatoes, right? It's kind of the same thing with flowers. Uh, but a lot of people have cut back because people are on vacation. Uh, you know, there's no, there's not as much, people are growing their own stuff. And so there's not as much demand in the summer uh, as there are in those shoulder seasons. Uh, but right. we, we're still farming year round, you know, like garden, mm-hmm. you know, right. you're, you're thinking about it, you're doing something for it year round. And as far as, tec- yeah, yeah, that's as, far as technique and, and technology, that that core season is always going to be there if you decide you want it. But in order to do the off season stuff, particularly some of the things that we need additional technologies to overwinter, that's something you have to like really be strategic about going after. And so I think that that's another part of it too. Is like if if these people who are focusing on the shoulder seasons and yes, they're growing some stuff throughout the summer. If it suddenly was like people only want stuff in the summer, that pivot is not as difficult because mm-hmm. nature isn't fighting you. It's that's the <laughs> your 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 latitude is not fighting you in that same in that same way. Um, yeah, I, I had a, a question. I guess uh, it would relate to flowers. It would also relate to uh, other stu- edible stuff as well. And this is not necessarily a fall garden question, but it is, okay, we're thinking about in July, we're thinking about, you know, September, October, November. Do we also need to start thinking or at least planning about planting things like perennials? If you want to have plant, plant in, put in fruit trees, if you want to put in shrubs or brambles or blueberries, uh, we may need to order plants. You may need to, when's the timeline that we typically think about doing that stuff? For flowers, we say you should be ordering when the stuff is blooming. So for two, if your tulips are blooming in April, you should be ordering your tulips for next mm-hmm. April in this April is kind of like a good rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. Or within, you know, that's flexible, but that's like when you should be good reminder. should be on your plate to do within mm-hmm. the next And those week. those bul- those bulbs are then gonna go in the ground when? Like yeah, October. so if it's tulips, those bulbs are going in anytime, anytime before the ground freezes, October mm. through, depending on what we get. Maybe we should have a whole episode on tulips. Sure. Um, <laughs> but depending on a lot of things, you know, you can plant all the way through December if, or, or even January if they're pre-cooled and your your uh, your ground's not frozen yet, uh, which is the case in Kentucky. The past couple of years, we've not seen a t- as many. We've had really cold temps, but we've not had sustained low temps, which is what a lot of our uh, plants need for good bloom or tall tall stems and those kinds of things. But back to perennials uh, in Kentucky and in most – in a lot of states where you're going to have hot summers, let's put it that way. Um, You know, Tennessee is going to be similar to us. You know, some of these border states, you can kind of – take with a grain of salt, but we say actually fall uh, is a time to plant your perennials, especially your trees, anything that's like a woodier, larger thing. Uh, fall is the best time to plant those because you are going with nature in that way. That plant is going dormant. Mm-hmm. And so essentially it's going dormant, mostly above ground. The roots are still going to do their thing uh, and they're slow and they're sleepy, but they're still working 
And so we want to do that when we want them to be establishing themselves when there's not a ton of pull from above ground uh, plant mm-hmm. parts and uh, a lot of stress there. They're also going to go and start waking up in a time of year when we get more rain. So we get a lot of rain in the springtime and into the early summer uh traditionally, uh, historically. So they're getting a lot more rain in their first kind of wake up in their new spot. And so that's why we say uh, perennials. Now the colder areas, uh, so like Arbor Day was created in, was it Idaho or Iowa? The, a northern state, a Dakota maybe? I don't know. Somewhere where it gets cold and it stays cold for a long time. Uh, and so Arbor Day was like formed in one of those northern states and uh, so they recommend planting in the spring. That's why Arbor Day is in the spring because that's when they plant their trees because they have such a longer cold period uh, where the warmer you are, usually we're trying to be in the fall. Right. Nebraska City, Nebraska. Nebraska. Was the first American Arbor Day, 1872. The first actual Arbor Day was in a Spanish village in 1594. So Spanish, just get it. It just rolled mm. off the tongue. Arbola. I love it. Did you guys know the the Spanish name for tulip is Dua Lipa? I wouldn't uh, say that oh, I knew no, that. I'm sorry, that was the wrong, <laughs> I got the wrong tab open. Um, you're gonna get a, yeah. Dua Lipa the greatest hits. I was trying to figure out how to do her, how she does her makeup, and you yeah, know how right, right. you know how it kind is. Kind of like a tulip, maybe. Who knows? Cross tulip, reference. Tulip, Dua Lipa. Tip. Do uh, Lipa. Dua. It feels like Italian. Do it. <laughs> El Duce. No yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so so the it sounds like some some of the bulbs, the garlic. When we mm-hmm. used to do um, annual, like grow and uh, grow strawberries as annuals, we would typically plant them in September. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. That those there are some things that you actually do plant in the fall. In the for yeah. you know it's maybe not a for, for a fall garden for a fall harvest, but it is a activity in the garden during fall. Could fall be- is a very active time in the garden. If you look at it, I like that Bray. You kind of zoomed out for a minute. Uh, yeah, fall super active as far as other things that you're doing besides just putting in these successional crops or these fall planted crops. It's to, whether it's a tree shrub or whatever, or garden cleanup. Uh, yeah, fall's a super active time in the lawn and garden, uh, commercially and at home. Yeah, one of the one of the bonsai practitioners who has a pretty heavy focus in horticulture that I uh, listen to and learn from talks about how, in his mind, and the way that he conceptualizes things, conceptualizes things, fall is actually the first season, the start yeah. season botanically, because mm-hmm. if you think about a tr- like a tree. Uh, or I mean, sorry, not a tree, a seed, a seed's food source that it uses to germinate is mostly created and and stored in the fall, like the seed Mm -hmm. formation before, you know, ahead of this drops. And and the same way, and Alexis was talking about a lot of that root growth and some of that vascular tissue growth and the transition away. I mean, that is it. That's the plant storing things up, putting things away. It's like the prep, you know, it's like packing before your vacation, you're packing before your vacation is the most important part. And you, know, you get there and you have all the stuff that you need and it's a great, beautiful vacation slash tree. Well, that starts with your planning period. So that that's just an interesting way of kind of reframing the thought that like spring is the first or, or May is the first part of the season. It's actually, I mean, and it's all continuous, right? It all feeds I back on itself, but um, he I talks about that, that and he's, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a clever lad. 
Because, like, (laughs) I feel like in farming, even if you're doing summer stuff, you're thinking about what seeds you're going to buy. You're thinking about crop plan. You're thinking about your rotation. And a lot of that is done in fall and, like, you know, into winter. And so, like, to think of that as, like, your start of the year, like, you said packing for the vacation. I think of it almost like a week. Like, that's your – that's your Sunday, right? Where you're, you're planning what you're doing for the rest of the week. And then spring is Monday and you're setting yourself up and kind of getting through, um, you know, that, but I, I love that fully agree, at least in our area of the country, um, our latitude that makes so much sense in, in my brain. Yeah. And I think just coming out of winter, lots of showy flowers, new leaves, it's easy to mm-hmm. fall in love with spring. Yeah. The yeah. importance of fall, you know, we're talking about, planning for a fall harvest with the with the garden but like you said ray very active time of year for us and for for uh, perennial plants and mm-hmm. um and also just like for seed saving for instance like you're you're going through that process and seed saving is an important a huge part of the culture of horticulture um and ha- has been historically over time and i think that's another element of you know, you're, you're preparing and thinking about the end of the season as a time when you may be ordering seeds, but you also may be saving them. And if you don't do that, you know, there's the old saying about when you start to live beyond your means that you're eating your seed corn, same, (laughs) same exact product. Like if we don't put aside enough stuff to grow this for next year, this, you know, this late summer, fall period, we're not going to have this again. And that that starts this, I think, longer term thinking about the relationship with the garden, the relationship with plants. That's like this huge part of our cultural experience of, of growing gardens and growing plants. I just wonder how much um, of our rhythms as particularly homeowners, how much of our rhythms when we think about fall gardening is determined by the commercial availability of transplants, which are not as available in the summer. I don't see a lot of where I'm at. I know I can go hunt them down, but I don't see as many plants, broccoli plants, for instance, yes. sold at a time for fall planting as I do summer. Or mm-hmm. I, and interestingly enough, I don't see a lot of trees for sale in the fall at local box stores. Not as many as I see in the springtime where right. we typically say are suboptimal. That's not the optimal time. It's the second best time. But I wonder how much of our rhythms are determined by like retail management and availability. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot about that and how things come about uh, for gardeners. Now, commercially, you're absolutely right. 100%. I mean, commercial people know that if they don't get the latest pumpkin seed and order that early fall, they're not getting it. If they wait until spring, they're not going to get those choice varieties that may be new and in high demand, but homeowners are at the mercy sometimes of just retail availability. Um, I see that a lot. Yeah. I think, I mean, you talk about the retail environment and this is taking a step outside of just the horticulture, but it like uh, you think about like the, the cycles of pushing like decorations and like Mm -hmm. vibe that it's like, Oh my gosh, it is June 27th and I'm already seeing Halloween decorations. This way is kind of like shifting and and creating this idea that there's like there's fall and there's summer and we are moving out of summer and into fall as opposed to like embracing the transitional period. Like the trees don't go from green to to yellow on October 1st. They do. They do on my Instagram account. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, (laughs) Now, right. the, The 
pumpkin spice latte and raise or the pumpkin spice and raise lattes does triple on October first. It does. It ramps up. It's already yeah. Pumpkin spicy. I get this orange shoe, more of an orange shoe to my face. Because <laughs> of all the pumpkin spice it's latte. The, that's the cycle. But I, I think that that idea of like commercial uh, image Isn't- and vibe creation has this way of shifting our our the way we experience our world. And it's not even like it's still hot out and you want me to buy fall leaf decorations no. or whatever. And it's. I don't know. And then not to rail on that or anything. I understand that they're doing their own thing in their own way, but it is, it it creates this strange, because even when people go to an agritourism operation and they're going out to pick these pumpkins, well, you know, pumpkins are a fall thing. So they must've been planted like in September, October. Right. And it's like, (laughs) no, you're you're thinking, and and you have to think that way for, if you're doing commercially, you kind of have to think that way because like consumers are, Mm -hmm. are conditioned to feel that way. But it, and it, that's part of the reason I think sometimes where I, why it feels so strange to think about do it, playing ahead toward these periods of time where it's going to be cooler out while it's still hot is because the, as a consumer, yeah. we're just sort of served that when it's available, <laughs> right. um, and which is not maybe all that good of a thing for us overall in our connection. The great to power do not look behind the curtain. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, it, it's for all you planners out there, though. What's yeah. this for you? I said for all you people who just like really love to plan, yeah. maybe like a yeah, spreadsheet, yeah. really like a calendar. Like Alexis is talking about her journaling, I'm sure. Journaling. I mean, lots of dates in it. there. I mean, <laughs> personally, the depth of summer is a great time to fantasize about fall. Yeah. Uh, that's how I get through summers mm. <laughs> when it's really hot out. So, yeah, you know, it should, thinking about it, it should be a positive thing. But mm-hmm. do you fantasize about fall gardening? Late fall gardening, I, I fantasize mm, about yeah. you know putting some bulbs in like towards sure. the end, it was nice yeah. and cool out. <laughs> and just another wanna... another quick reference is uh, if you are thinking about doing cover cropping, mm-hmm. there are the, a if you wanted to get a cover crop in before you planted your garlic or something like that, you still have a window to get in something short like a buckwheat or something like that. And if you want to do a fall cover crop like over the winter excuse me, if you want to do a fall planted cover crop over the winter, usually a lot of those are going in, in that September through November window, depending on what it is. Um, the rise tend to be able to be planted later. The wheats need a little bit earlier, but, uh, that's just another component to think about. If you wanted to get a little cover crop in on top of your garden, um, fall that later fall window is a, is a time to be able to do that. Veg, I want to go back to, Ray mentioning like availability. So again, that can be hard. I've heard some people say like, I really want to do a fall garden, but I -hmm. didn't get my seed started or, you know, whatever that is. Um, And when you're listening to this, you may be feeling a little bit late. For most people, like, you know, we're all happen to be around central Kentucky. So if you're in northern Kentucky or, you know, further east Kentucky where you're, uh, you've got some mountains around you, which is going to affect that, affect your temperatures. You know, you guys may be a week or two behind us, uh, but central and southern, you know, you can get away with, and like Brett said earlier, the, um, a lot of these plants can be direct seeded. So you're not late. So anytime kind of July to up to like August 1st, some of that other stuff, you can go all the way to mid-August that you can do. If you can get a hold of the seeds, which you can still order online, 
that's the the beauty of internet. But I know that like I was just at our uh, southern states and they still had uh, a lot of fall seeds in there. And so you can go in and get those for the ones that you want to do more as a transplant. So broccoli, you can direct seed, but it can often be better as a transplant. You still have time uh, if you can do some season extension. And so um, that time that you're going to take up creating that transplant that that's going to go into the ground, you can make up that time if you can cover them somehow. So uh, floating row cover, which is essentially just, uh, it's, uh, ag- there's a couple names for it, uh, for kind of basically the same thing. That's sort of like a cheesecloth type, uh, consistency. Uh, you'll, you'll see it, uh, listed as Agrabon, which is kind of just a brand name, um, that a lot of people use. Remay cover, uh, is, I usually call it Remay. Some people call it tobacco cloth. I think technically Ray, please, please chime in here. Actual tobacco cloth maybe is a little bit different, or it's a heavier weight, or something like that. But it's the it's same. Very specific cost. for that crop, yeah. Yeah, but it's it, a version of that with its exactly. own properties. So it, yeah. it's something that's sort of like a more of like a cheese cloth, like is a good way to think about it, where it will let moisture and air through, um, but it is still like a woven cloth type thing. So uh, you can use those, and you can use these little hoops that you can make yourself, or you. Anything to keep that fabric up off the plants, uh, but you're creating a little microclimate there. And so when we get to those periods where, you know, if it's after October 15th that these things are going to be ready and we maybe have a frost coming in, usually that time, at least in our area of the state, it's a frost. It's not a freeze. Uh, so uh, we just need to protect it a little bit. And that, believe it or not, the, the two, two to four degrees that that frost uh, cloth that Remay can give you can be the difference between you having a crop and not having a crop. It seems crazy to think about yeah. it. Yeah. But, yeah. And Josh, we've talked about this before, but, um, and this is something you've created is the, and you've done it for high tunnels and it was like temperatures for mm-hmm. crops. Yeah. Uh, but those, the temperature range is the temperature. Just, it is what it is. Just high tunnels are, will give you me more time, but the temperature that crop can withstand is the same no matter where it's located. This is the high tunnel planting date calendar. Right, yes. right. Yeah, where we have the minimum temperature listed where there's plant damage, but then there's mm-hmm. it's that's separate from the temperature where it actually grows, right? Yeah. Or the, the optimal range. So right. you can protect your plant from a frost or damage. And and I mean that's what I have noticed with kind of the, the high tunnel thing is that it's not so much like you're having to constantly protect your plant from you know, very cold temperatures. It's just like these little sudden short duration events. And if you can get them through that, then you have weeks of, you know, good growing conditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Protecting them from that big one. Part of it too is wind because yeah. the wind affects the plants so much more. And so that, 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 uh, and it, it can do damage both through direct cold damage, but it can also dry the plants out because when it's mm-hmm. cold out, the relative humidity usually seems to, it usually is pretty low and it can mm-hmm. actually blow across the bottom of those leaves if it's completely un, unabated and the, the, uh, row cover or the high tunnel, just that little bit of deflection, again, yeah. it makes a huge difference. If you've ever been walking down a cold street, getting yeah. blasted in the face by cold wind, and then you just <laughs> step out like, you know, behind a building or step behind a car or something. And it's like, Oh, I feel suddenly so much better. Well, your plants feel that way too. Um, <laughs> and I will say like the season, you can get the row cover stuff in 
like we will, uh, we have some, you know, bulbs and things that will come out early by sometimes because things are unpredictable or whatever. And we don't have a good way of protecting them. And we will go out with like tarps and throw mm-hmm. them over those things. If we feel like we're going to have a frost, that's going to damage it. And this is in spring. Um, but like, uh, you, you don't have to necessarily go whole, whole hog, especially if you're trying, if you like plant it kind of concerts, plant stuff kind of conservatively, and it just so happens that there's going to be a cold patch and you're not just planning on that happening. Um, that's another, just another thing that we just, we put them on at night, take them off so that the sun can warm them up and they can do their thing during the day. But, uh, and there's a big difference in uh, some of the covers we're talking about. Some of the ones like the floating covers, they're kind of naturally self ventilated because of the nature of the covering, which is, uh, there's a big difference in a low tunnel, which is, um, ones that you have to be very careful about the temperature buildup. That's like uh, a plastic uh, covering. Yes. Um, there, there's a, there's a bit, there's a big difference in those and uh, you use them differently. Uh, do any of you guys have any experience with like the slitted low covers or the, the, the ones that are self ventilating? Has anyone used any of those? There's lots of options out there now, uh, particularly for commercial growers. Uh, but yeah, those are two different things, and that's important to know. I think for homeowners, floating row covers is something you should key in on. It's more appropriate. It's more low-key. It's uh, easier to manage, I think, in a lot of cases. And it's a little bit more forgiving if you get the mid-weight covers that mm-hmm. don't, you know, they don't, they don't trap as much heat. It just all depends on what you want them to do, but they're just, I think they're easier for most homeowners to manage. Yeah. If you are shopping for them, pay attention because there's ones that are so thin that they're just to keep insects out. And there's mm-hmm. some that are a little heavier that will give you a little bit of frost protection. And then there's ones that are like frost blankets where it's like double covers. Yeah, yeah. It's You're very using it thick. when it's negative degrees. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. You can use them as a blanket. Yes. Literally. I think that <laughs> that kind of mid weight and, those of you, I mean, all of you guys have used this before, but the one that like I seem to like, and the one that's always out of stock is the, um, is that like the ag 30, they, they do it. And the 30 just seems to be like a good mid weight where it's going to mm-hmm. give you that, yeah. you know, two to four degrees of protection, wind protection. Um, but like if this, and you know, you can leave it on. It's going to ventilate enough. But if it does get warm, like if you're using it in addition to like a plastic covering or something, you do it will you know hold on to a lot of heat. But in general, like you're not going to kill your plants if you leave it on on a warm day or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and it lets enough light through, especially in the winter time that you're going to get. Because that's the other thing. Like if you get a really heavy blanket, you may not like kill the plants from heat. But if you leave it on, you're not going to get any light, and mm-hmm. the plants is a photosynthesize. So. Mm-hmm. There's also kind of that aspect, which is why a lot of people like plastic if they can control, you know, the vent, that ventilation. If they're venting that somehow, um, they like plastic because it's the ult- as much light can get through as possible as far as coverings go. A lot of technology out there to extend the growing season, and I know a commercial producers just love that. And we've seen just, and uh, we've mentioned it on the show before in the past. Uh, Kentucky's one of those states that we've just seen a lot of growth in this area. High tunnels, low tunnels, uh, protected ag season extension techniques. We've just seen an explosion of this over the the last several years. Yeah, if you've got questions or want to hear an episode of just kind of the difference, like. You know, it, there's a lot of different like ways to do season extension on a mm-hmm. small and a lot of things that are small scale 
can be large scale if you just make it larger, you know, and then there's some things that are really more like that's a large scale thing or that's a small scale thing. So there's kind of everything in between. Maybe we should do an episode on just kind of the pros and cons of each one so that people who are trying to decide what scale they want to do or what's right for them, um, you know, can have a little bit of that. Maybe we should do something like that. That sounds fun. Oh, yeah. Season we extension. got some great resources we do. for that. Um, I'll tell you what. Well, I, I think that might be a good place to, to wrap yeah. this one. Is that okay? Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Okay, great minds. Um, <laughs> so I think the couple of the take-homes probably is that uh, if you are wanting to do have a, a fall harvested garden of the coal crops and root crops and stuff like that, now is the time to be putting those things in the ground um, and now through, through August. So now being when this comes out on July 16th through August uh, and then if you're thinking further into the fall, some activities and planting things that you might be doing would be, yes, all of your fall cleanup of all that summer stuff, but also putting in things like bulbs. You may be looking ahead and, and checking recommendations for when you want to be planting things like trees and perennials and that kind of stuff. And if you want to be ordering earlier is usually better as far as getting getting seeds, getting a hold of that stuff. A lot of the things that you can do for a fall garden can be direct seeded. Some of them do need to be transplants or do will do better as transplants. And there's going to be challenges associated with a fall garden in the same way that there's challenges associated with a spring garden. Um, but there is a lot of activity during this upcoming fall time. Uh, and one of my favorite times of year is when the fall stuff starts coming in and the summer stuff is still coming in. So you can have like a nice kale salad with some chopped mm -hmm. peppers on top. I mean, come on. Can't beat that. <laughs> um, any other takeaways you all wanted to add as a key points? I think you got it. Awesome. It's too late for parsnips. Yeah, too late for parsnips. Late like you parsnips parsnip. lovers. And potatoes. Sorry, peeps. Parsnip, the, the pea lovers, the people who love the pea crops. Whoa. That should be the name of the episode, Too Late for Parsnips. Too Late for Parsnips. <laughs> tell you about too late for it gets the people going. Uh, we'll kick it over to you, Alexis, to take us out of here. All right. Well, don't forget to follow us uh, on Instagram, uh, Hort at Hort Culture Podcast. Uh, you can also send us an email. You can find our email in the show notes. If you've got questions, you want to hear a specific podcast, definitely let us know. Uh, it is July, so we're going to keep talking about cut flowers in the upcoming episodes for Kentucky Cut Flower Month. So follow along with that. The Kentucky Horticulture Council Center for Crop Diversification on social medias. Uh, if you're into that... <laughs>